So today I'd like to talk to you about your God stories. Like Sandra said, I help people save their life stories so they can pass them down to their friends and their family members. Um, I don't really mean your formal testimony about when you came to know Jesus. What I mean today is about those everyday moments when you see or hear God in your life. Because I believe that we're instructed to share these stories, to build our family of faith. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about my story today. So many of you here have already heard many of these stories, but hopefully you'll endure them a little bit more. So I'd like to start off by talking about my Aunt Lucy. My Aunt Lucy um, was actually my dad's cousin, but she it was so much older than us that we called her our aunt. She was a kind and grateful woman. Um, she was the type of person that made you feel like you were the only one in the room when you would sit with her on the couch. She really wanted to know you, and she would remember things about you from one visit to the next. And that was really important when you're a young young girl. Well, back when I was in middle school and high school, I had a secret, and my Aunt Lucy was probably the only one who could have helped me with that secret. <clears throat> when I was in my high, uh, history classes in middle school and high school, I wanted to hide. When we would talk about World War II, I would try to slide under my desk and hope that no one could tell that my family was German. The impression that I would get from those lessons, and even now I'm realizing as I watch the Waltons with my daughter Grace again, I'm realizing that even through television, I had this feeling that all Germans were evil. I knew that my Aunt Lucy lived in Germany through World War II. I knew that she had to escape through the forest, and I knew that she lost her daughter, and that's about all I knew. I didn't know how she lost her daughter. I didn't know if her daughter died. I didn't know if her daughter was taken or if she ran away. But my mom would always say, don't ask her any questions about the war. It's too difficult for her to talk about it. And she was right. It was too difficult at the time. But that left me confused because here I was, a young girl, that would see this wonderful German woman who was so kind and grateful and joyful Yet I was supposed to believe that, evil, that Germans were all evil. So without conversation, I was left to accept society's narrative. Well, in my early 20s, my aunt wrote her memoir. And she called it My Part of the War. As you can see, it's not that big. doesn't take very long to read. But this book changed my life. Last week, I saw a post by Toby Mack, and it said, don't be afraid to share your story. It could be the key that unlocks someone else's prison. And in a way, I feel like that's what she did for me. Because in this book, I learned that her father was a baker, and he owned his own bakery and would ride his bike in the morning before dawn to go to work. And as he would, drop, as he would ride his bike, he would be stoned by Hitler's men because he wouldn't join the party. And I learned that my grandfather uh, went over for a vacation right before uh, the war started. And he was almost thrown in jail because he was arguing with the brown shirts. He didn't agree with their beliefs and their values. And I learned that my aunt 
was raped and beaten and homeless and starving, and that she had to rely on the kindness of strangers to get back to her family when the war was over. And I learned that she had to bury her daughter in a foxhole. And I learned that when she came here in the 50s, she also had to hide her heritage and pretend that she wasn't from Germany. Now, after I read her book, I realized that if she could get through all of that, then so I could get through anything that I had to get through. And all the shame and the fear that I had just melted away. I could be proud of my family because the narrative I was given by society was not true. And that's when I decided that I wanted to help people write their own stories when I retired. I had to add that when I retired because I needed the money. Obviously, we all need the money, right? But it was almost as if back then, I heard the Holy Spirit saying to me, this is the way, walk in it. As, it, as the Lord said in Isaiah 30, 21. Well, after, she, after we all read her story, three things happened. First, the conversation started. We were asked, allowed to ask her questions, and we asked her lots of questions. We asked her anything that we wanted to. The second thing that happened was that my aunt opened up. She was able to cope with her memories better because she wasn't stuck with the burden of them on her own. The third thing that happened was that her story became part of my personal narrative. Not only my personal narrative, but my, si my siblings, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. It became the narrative of anyone who actually read her book, especially those of us who are part of her family. So the way that she told her story impacted the way that I thought about my own life. Now, although I knew she grew up Catholic, she didn't mention God in her story at all. And she only said the word pray one time. Around the time when I read her story for the first time, I was on my own spiritual hiatus. I believed in God, but I was disillusioned with religion. I was having a hard time. I didn't even think to ask her about her God story back then. I didn't think to ask her how she got through it and did she pray and did she see where God was. But what if I had? And what if she told me where she saw God throughout her story? How much more powerful would her story have been for me, a young woman questioning her faith? What if not only I had my aunt's narrative, but I also had God's narrative. Well, I think that my life and the lives of my family members could have been very, very different. Now, usually when I give a talk, right about now, I give lots of statistics about why it's important to share your story and how it can help all generations of your family. So for them, I usually have statistics. For you, I have something better. I have scripture. So I believe that the Bible teaches us to share God's legacy by telling our own stories and constantly answering the question, where was God? I have lots of verses that I could point to, but one that I think says it perfectly is Psalm 78, verses 2 through 4. And I like the way the New International Reader's Version says it. I don't usually read that book, but I read it for this particular verse, and I thought it was awesome. It says, I will open my mouth and tell a story. I will speak about things that were hidden. They happened a long time ago. We have heard about them and we know them. Our people who lived before us have told us about them. 
We won't hide them from our children. We will tell them to those who live after us. We will tell them what the Lord has done that is worthy of praise. We will talk about his power and the wonderful things he has done. Now we know that the Bible is full of stories of God's children sharing how and when he worked in their lives. And I think we're called to do the same. But some people are too humble or they're too afraid to share their story. I bet many of you think, oh, my story is not that exciting. I don't need to tell it. Main reason that people don't tell their stories is because no one asked. So I encourage you that if you have parents or grandparents who are still alive, that you ask them to tell their stories and see what they say. But I also believe that God is asking you to tell his story because your story is his story. So as the first song said today, to tell you my story is to tell of him. And he wants you to tell of things like hope and love and life and victory and grace. And as the song said, justice and mercy and kindness and faith and praise. Now I know that this could be a daunting task, just like all those songs that I made the girl band sing. <laughs> So I'm going to give you a little bit of structure so you can think about your stories in different ways. Now, in my business, I call this my Legacy of Love program. And I'm going to give you a taste of it by talking about my story of changing my career uh, midlife. And if you're interested, you don't have to take notes or anything. I have a guide that you can sign up for at the end. Um, just see one of us at the end, and we'll have you sign up for that. So the first cornerstone is called Beliefs, Values, and Life Lessons. And this is where you write the stories that show who you are and how you became who you are. It, these are the stories that help your loved ones understand what you believe and what your values are and what lessons you learned. Now you can tell just a piece of your story or you can tell your whole life story. Um, and you can also capture your stories as a book or audio or video. You can capture it as artwork or a poem, or you could cop even capture it as a song. So today, like I said, I'll focus on the small piece of my life when I decided to change my career, or shall I say, God decided I should change my career. So as the uh, third song that Mandy was um, the soloist in, was, she said, there's a wrestling in my heart and in my mind, a disturbance and a tension I cannot seem to drive. And if I'm honest, there's quite a bit of fear, a lot of fear, to sit here in this silence and really hear you. What will you ask of me? Will I listen to your voice when you speak? Now that's exactly how I felt about six years ago. I had the perfect job, it was part-time, I worked from home, I was doing work that I understood and I was respected for. I also made a great wage and anyone who would look at my life would say, you are crazy to think that you're going to give that up. I said, you're crazy to think that you're going to give that up. But inside, I felt numb, I felt empty, I felt unfulfilled, I was restless. And it came down to that I wasn't helping people anymore. I was working with a lot of spreadsheets and lots of data, and I was great at it, but I wasn't working with people, and I wasn't helping anyone. And so it was really bothering me. 
So I kept asking God, what do you want me to do? Now, I was afraid to hear his answer. What will you ask of me? Will I listen to your voice? Am I going to be afraid of what you asked me to do? I was afraid to take a risk. Until one day, I spoke with a colleague who was in management. For all this time, I was afraid. I I worked there for 12 years, and every year I thought they were going to let me go. And I was always worried about the money part of it. But one night, one afternoon, I spoke with a colleague who was in management, and he said, Michelle, they're never going to let you go. If you want to leave here, you have to leave. And you know what? In the morning, I woke up. It was like God cleared this block that was in my brain. I woke up, and I just knew. And I said to Richard, I know what I want to do. I want to help people write their life stories. He must have thought I was crazy. But he didn't. He looked at me and he said, that's a great idea. You need to do that. And within a half an hour, he had his mother on the phone asking if I could um, get together with his grandfather and start writing his story. So I felt great and I decided that I was going to learn everything I needed to learn and I would make a plan. Now, over the next two years, my company told me that they couldn't pay me three times. One time, they didn't pay me for three months straight. There were completely ridiculous reasons. They were all technology reasons, and I worked for a technology company. I was listening, but I wasn't really obeying, because I knew that it was God prompting me to leave, but I could barely breathe thinking about it. So as she said in the third song, Help me to do whatever you would ask of me. Help me to go or help me to stay. I'm feeling so alone here, and I know that you're faithful, but I can barely breathe. God help me. He was asking me to give up the most security I had ever had in my entire life. I had no idea what I was getting into, but I prayed God help me so many times over the last six years. He answered with provision and confirmation and support and grace, and he keeps answering me. So when you think about this cornerstone, I want you to remember to take a risk, to listen, to see what God really wants you to do, and then go for it. You know, don't let things that you're afraid of prevent you from doing what he wants you to do. Okay, the second cornerstone is called treasured possessions. And this is the stories of your stuff. Now, when you look around your home, you have lots of things. We all have lots of items. And those items, the ones that you've kept around for a long time, they all have a story behind them. There's a reason that you kept those items. They either remind you of a person or event, something that happened that is important to you. So it's important to tell those stories. And when I think about my business story or my entrepreneur story, I could talk to you about the portable war room I created after I watched the movie. That war room has gotten me through a lot. And I could be quoting lots of verses today from there. Or I could talk about the prayer bracelets that Maria Carter led us in making during one of our small group meetings, because that helped me get through a lot too. But a treasured possession doesn't have to be a thing. It could be something like a tradition. And so that's what I'm going to talk with you about today. So the 
<clears throat> right when I decided to leave um, my corporate job, Roselle, who knows Roselle? Raise your hand. Okay, everyone knows Roselle. She doesn't even need a last name. Uh, Roselle came to me and she said, oh, you're leaving your job. I have all these videos I need someone to do and I need you to interview these people for this program. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how to do video. And she said, yes, you do, you can figure it out. And I said, no, I really, really, really don't know how to do video. And I was petrified because I know with video you need to get the lights right and you need to get the sound right and you need to have the perfect background and everything. And I was really afraid. But, you know, Roselle doesn't take no for an answer, so I was there doing video. <laughs> now, thankfully, she gave me a list of the people that I had to meet with. And the first person that I had to meet with was Elaine Porteous. Um, Elaine was so amazing because I videoed her and she was blurry, exactly as I expected. <laughs> so I had to swallow my pride and I had to call her and ask her if she would come back and do it again. But this was all part of God's plan because when Elaine came back, she and I got into a conversation and she told me about how God sends her a birthday verse every year. That she prays for a birthday verse and that he sends it to her. And I said, wow, that's really cool. I want to see if he'll send me a birthday verse. So I started praying for it. I met with her, I think, in March or April. My birthday is not till July. So I prayed for a long time. And I got one. And the first, actually, I've gotten one every year since then. But my first year, my verse was Psalm 40, 1 through 3. And it says, I waited patiently, expectantly for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Notice, cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So I bet you can imagine what happened. This happened over and over and over again. Waiting, a pit, a resolution, a new song, a new story, more trust, more faith, more prayer, and tons of God help me's. So when you're thinking about your legacy of love, don't forget to record the stories about your treasured possessions. <clears throat> and this particular tradition, this treasured possession, um, and the memory of Eileen will always be with me forever. I will continue to do this, and it will, even though the verse may be scary, it will bring me comfort in the end. And I urge you to do the same thing. The third cornerstone is called facts and information. Now, that sounds pretty boring, right? Well, the facts and information component makes you think about things like your family tree and your family timeline. It could be really mundane things like your uh, account passwords and usernames and things like that. But today I'm going to focus on a little bit about my family tree and a lot about my, my timeline. So I want to start off by saying that for my family tree, I am so thankful for my parents and my sister and her family and my kids and my husband who have supported me through this 
from beginning to end. I would not be able to do this if I didn't have their support. <clears throat> now, I've learned that God sends me the right people at the right time for his purpose. It reminds me of Proverbs 19.21, where it says, Many are the plans in a woman's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I had a lot of plans, and a lot of them didn't work. It was God's purpose that came through every plan. Um, so I'm going to give you a sample of my timeline for this period of my life and some of the people who helped me through that process. These are the people that God put in my path for a reason, just like he did with Elaine and Roselle. And I should also say Mandy, because Mandy helped me do the very first video, and she taught me how to do the lights, but then I didn't have my own lights after that. <laughs> um, okay, so... Uh, I was trying to figure out where to start because really this could go all the way back to my Aunt Lucy, but that would be a really long talk. Um, and I had to cut out a lot, so you'll have to read the book someday when I finish this part of my memoir. Um, so I decided that I would start with Vicki. All right, who knows Vicki? She doesn't need a last name either. Um, Vicki and I met at soccer when our kids, when our boys were young. Uh, I coached her son. And she would ask me all the time. Our kids went to school together. When we were here together and we were at soccer day, we were together a lot. And she would ask me all the time to join her small group. And I never had time because I was so busy with all these other things I was doing. But about six years ago, she asked me, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to give up that coaching thing. And I decided to join the small group. Um, so any of you who were in my Wednesday night small group, raise your hand. So, uh, I go to the small group, and the first night I sit there, and with all the fear inside, I tell them that I'm thinking about doing this work, and they're looking at me like, you're insane. But they were very supportive. In fact, at the end of the session, um, Gina Ardagna, does anyone know Gina? You can raise your hand if you know Gina. Gina was sitting right next to me, and um, she pulled me aside at the end, and she said, you know, I really want to do this for my aunt. This is amazing. I wanted, I think I want to make sure that my family has this, and she needs to know that we honor her. And uh, literally, we talked for about 10 minutes, and that, that helped me so much. And a few years later, we actually did the story for her aunt, and then her aunt passed away a year later. And when her aunt passed away, they used part of the recording in the celebration of life so her family could hear her voice forever. Another uh, person that touched me during that time was Maria Carter. Maria was our group leader at the time. We met at Sandra's house, like Sandra said. And Maria um, led most of the sessions. And she pulled me aside a few meetings later. And she said, you know, there are a bunch of us here who really believe in what you're doing, and we don't want you to quit. Because if you have any idea what was going on, I wanted to quit a lot. <laughs> um, and we're actually getting ready to publish Maria's mom's book this month. That group helped me understand and discern when it was time for me to leave my job. I don't know how many times I said to them, they're not paying me again. And they're like, you need to start listening. Um, so around the time when I decided to leave, or God decided it was time for me to leave, I was at another small group meeting. 
And at the end, um, Linda Spinelli, who knows Linda? Linda's sitting right there. So um, Linda came up to me and she said, you know, I've always wanted to write my story about this cancer treatment that I had. I really want to help other people and I want my family to know how this worked and I want people to know where God was in my life. Will you help me do it? So I said, sure. How about you're my first client? So we started her book in March and we finished it in July and it's actually available on Amazon and it does talk about her God story and just with every other client that I've had or every other storyteller I've had, um, she's become part of my family and I've been touched by her story. So I started attending the Wednesday morning small groups because finally I didn't have a job that was tying me to a specific time. <clears throat> and when I went to that small group, there was a day when one of the women was having a really difficult day. And it happened to be a time when there were about 30 of us all together in the rotunda. And the person was um, just explaining what she was going through. And Ronnie Kavanagh, who knows Ronnie? Raise your hand. Ronnie Kavanagh went up to her and put her hand on her shoulder and prayed for her out loud to the whole group. And I remember looking at her and saying, I could never do that. I don't pray out loud unless I'm reading my prayers. Um, any of you know me, you know that I can't do that, at least not yet. And a few months later, my sister asked me to help her friend tell her story. Her friend was terminally ill and was very, very sick. And she wanted to, my sister wanted to have her friend share her story with her family because my sister knew how wonderful the woman was, but she didn't feel like her family necessarily had the same appreciation. And so we tried to get her to do it and she kept saying no because she was too humble. She thought she had too many problems. She, when it came right down to it, she thought nobody cared. She thought no one cared about her story. <clears throat> so we went to, uh, well, she kept saying no, and we put it on hold, and then she came back, and she called and said, um, I just went into hospice. Could you come and do my life story right away? So we rushed out there a few days later, and it was supposed to be an hour long, and she literally talked for six hours. She knew exactly what she wanted to say. And at the end of that session, she, during the session, she had talked about her mom and some interesting um, religious experiences that she had had, and I knew that she was Catholic. And so at the end, I felt God like prompting me. And I'm like, really, seriously? <laughs> and so I said, um, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she was shocked. She was like, what, someone pray for me? And I said, yeah, would you mind if I prayed for you? And she said, no, that's fine. So I went up to her just like Ronnie did, because if Ronnie hadn't done this, I would not have been able to do this. It was completely God putting Ronnie in my path. And I put my hand on her shoulder, and I prayed for her out loud. I had no idea what I said. It was completely God coming out of my mouth. And as I was talking, she kept grabbing my hand. She was grabbing my hand and grabbing my hand. And when I was done, she looked at me and she said, you know how to do Reiki. And I said, no, I don't. 
I don't know how to do Reiki, she said. Yes, you do. It, I felt it. It went right through me. And I stood there and I said, that wasn't Reiki. Well, about two weeks later, she passed away. And I hope that because she was able to tell her story the way she wanted to tell her story, and I hope that because someone was willing to pray for her and help her feel God's presence, that she died peacefully and that it was all worth it to her to finally give up that fear and actually tell it. <clears throat> I'm going to go through another real quick story. Hopefully I have enough time here. Um, a couple of years ago, I met with a coach because I was worried that my business wasn't going to survive. Every time I would ask God, he would confirm, yep, this is what I want you to do. And I'd look at him and say, what are you kidding me? Like, it's not working. What am I supposed to be doing? And then he'd say, it is working. Look at all the people you're helping. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, so I hired a coach to look at my business. And I said, I just want you to tell me if this is viable. Is this going to work? And she said, if just she looked at all, she said, yeah, it is. But you need to get out of that church. And I said, what are you talking about? I can't leave that church. That's where everyone is that I know. They're all helping me. I need them. And she said, no, you can still have them, but you need to start talking to people outside the church, or this isn't going to work. So I did. I, um, I, put, I delayed it for a long time. And finally, one day, I posted a message on one of the Facebook groups that I have, uh, that I participate in. And I was waiting for people to respond. And when they responded, I was going to look and see if they were somebody that could help me um, get the courage to go out and network more. So all of a sudden, I look at these names. And one of them, the man was from Chelmsford. This was an international group. There were people from Australia, from England, all over the world. So I contacted him. And to make a long story short, we have become very good friends, and he's a master networker in, the, in this area. He brought me to my first networking event, and he introduced me to a new group of women that have become a huge network that I've been working with. And my biggest fear was that I would not be with Christians, and I was worried about that. And now, these people that I'm meeting, many of them are Christian. And it's making me feel even more like God has put these people in my path. So I want you to remember um, to look for those people that God puts in your path and is helping you lead your way. Even if it doesn't seem like they're the right people, they are because God put them there. All right, your last, four, four, your last cornerstone is called your wishes. And um, I'll go quick because we're going to run out of time here. Um, this is where you're looking at what's important for you in the future as well as your family members. Um, so you might like to def define your celebration of life, what you want that to look like, or uh, you might write a legacy love letter for a family member. There's an ancient Jewish tradition called an ethical will, which is the same as a legacy love le letter. And it sums up the life lessons and outlines what your parents, what parents want for their children. Um, Jacob, Moses, and David, they all leave their own version of an ethical will in the Bible. So how many of you know Diane Landolfi? And right over there. When Diane's husband got sick, 
I asked her if there was something I could do to help her. Did she need a meal? Did she need a ride? Did she need something? And she said, you know, what he really needs is he has some things he wants to tell his kids and they're not ready to hear it yet. Could you help him? And so I said, yeah, I'll come and help him. And so we wrote part of his story and it was all about his God story. Richie told his God story and he wanted to make sure that his kids knew it before he couldn't tell them anymore. This was right before he went into a difficult treatment and after that he went into remission and I hope that telling his story helped him focus on his treatment and his recovery. And he went, has gone back and forth and he's become part of my family and so is Diane and I pray for them constantly. But this is why I do this work. I wanna help everybody but I love working with Christians because as I help my storytellers tell their stories, God is writing mine. I don't look for God behind me anymore. I see him ahead of me. He's not only setting my plan, but he's leading me through it. He only does that, though, when I let him, when I surrender, when I say, thy will be done. So, <clears throat> as Deuteronomy 1.30 tells us, the Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight for you. In the next song, you'll hear the lyrics, I'm an empty page, I'm an open book. Write your story on my heart. I want my history to be your legacy. Go ahead and show this world what you've done in me. And when the music fades, I want my life to say, I let you write your story on my heart. So I ask you, are you really an open book? And are you ready for him to write his story on your heart? Are you listening and risking and obeying and asking God to help you? Are you telling your family what he has done in you? I think it's time to make your history his legacy. Now to help you get started, I have a special gift for everyone that my friends will hand out while the band sings the last song. And I wanna thank you all so much for listening and for coming out today and for this wonderful opportunity and I thank you all for being part of my God story. <laughs>